Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. Today's story, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus. And like, like last week, we're talking about a familiar story. And so it can always be hard with a familiar story to know what, what do we do with that? What, what does it mean to hear this story again? And so my, my encouragement to you this morning, just like the song we sang earlier, Let Us Love and Sing in Wonder, is to just sit in the wonder of this story, to hear the wonder of the resurrection once again. What has Jesus done for us? Who is this Jesus? Just how amazing it is that Jesus rose from the dead. It's so easy for us to say, Oh, yeah, Jesus died and then he rose from the dead. It's in the name of our church, Resurrection Community Church. It becomes so familiar, we can become complacent. But let us love and sing and wonder at the resurrection of Jesus. As I read John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, If you've carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the the glory of it. We thank you for this glorious day, the day on which all of human history changed, when Jesus rose from the dead. We thank you that your servants were there and saw the empty tomb, and that they wrote it down and reported it, that it could be passed down to us. We pray now that as we reflect on your words together, that you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit, that these words would not be mere information for our heads, but transformation for our hearts, 
that they may change the way that we think, the way that we feel, and the way that we live today and in days to come. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So the past two weeks, I have, I've been on, apparently I've been on a fantasy epic run because two weeks ago we had the Lord of the Rings and last week we had Harry Potter. So I just decided to complete the trifecta of fantasy epics. And the first book I brought is from the Chronicles of Narnia. It is the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And I want to read from it because it is just so beautiful. In the, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, uh, the, the Lion Aslan is a lot like Jesus, you might say, and you'd be right. But the Lion Aslan, he has just, he's, he's come to rescue the land that has been enslaved by the evil white witch. And he has come, and they're excited, and he's going to be powerful. But then the children, Susan and Lucy, who love the lion and have, uh, are there to help the land of Narnia, they watch him be killed by the white witch, be put to death, and they are devastated. It happens during the night, it's cold, they're shivering, and then they see, they see some weird things happen. Some mice come and eat away the ropes that are holding him to this table on which he was killed. He was killed on this stone table. And so they're just, they don't know what to do. And then this is what it says. At that moment, they heard from behind them a loud noise, a great cracking, deafening noise as if a giant had broken a giant's plate. What's that, said Lucy, clutching Susan's arm. I, I feel afraid to turn around, said Susan. Something awful is happening. They're doing something worse to him, said Lucy. Come on. And she turned, pulling Susan round with her. The rising of the sun had made everything look so different. All colors and shadows were changed that for a moment they didn't see the important thing. Then they did. The stone table was broken into two pieces by a great crack that ran down it from end to end. And there was no Aslan. Oh, 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 cried the two girls rushing back to the table. Oh, it's too bad, sobbed Lucy. They might have left the body alone. Who's done it, cried Susan. What does it mean? Is it more magic? Yes, said a great voice behind their backs. It is more magic. They looked round. There, shining in the sunrise, larger than they had seen him before, shaking his mane, for it apparently grown again, stood Aslan himself. Oh, Aslan, cried both children, staring up at him, almost as much frightened as they were glad. Aren't you dead then, dear Aslan, said Lucy? Not now, said Aslan. You're not a, not a, asked Susan in a shaky voice. She couldn't bring herself to say the word ghost. But what does it all mean? It means, said Aslan, that though the witch knew the deep magic, there is a magic deeper still which she did not know. If a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backwards. And I love that. I love that because it pictures so well for us what was happening on that Easter morning. And when we look at this text in John chapter 20, we see the glory, we see the excitement. Aslan is alive. Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb anymore. But when you pay attention to what's going on, Jesus' followers are very, very confused. And even though we should be excited, even though they should have known, as it says in verse 9, as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. They kind of were supposed to know this was going to happen. In fact, Jesus himself had said it many times. I'm going to die and then I will rise again. 
but they just didn't get it. They didn't understand. And so like Susan and Lucy, their first reaction when something has happened is to run and to cry and to say, what is going on? And so there is, there is this sense of confusion and churn on Easter morning. Something big is happening, but we don't know what it is. Mary's at the tomb. What's she doing there? Now, the other, the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, say that several women went to the tomb and they were bringing spices to anoint the body, which doesn't make sense because they couldn't get into the tomb, and they kind of knew that. Here, John says, Mary's there. We don't even know what she's doing. She's just confused. She's devastated. She's trying to be near to Jesus. But then the tomb is empty, and she runs. And then Peter and John run to the tomb. They're trying to find Jesus. Everyone is running, but nobody can find him. See, the problem here is that even in, in everything has changed, Jesus has risen from the dead, but they can't find him. They're running around everywhere, but they can't find him for themselves because it doesn't make sense. In fact, it makes so little sense to them. Verse 10, possibly the most shocking line in the whole story. Then the disciples went back to their homes. They ran to the tomb to find Jesus. They see that he's not there. Things are neat and arranged. And they're like, well, I guess we're going to go home. Because we don't know what else to do. And Mary just stands there crying. She sees angels, but then she still doesn't recognize Jesus. See, what we see as we look at this familiar story, as we look at it again and sit in it and reflect on it, is that no matter how far we run, we can't find Jesus. No matter how much we're looking, we can't find him. We have to be found by him. And the glorious truth of the resurrection is that Jesus' resurrection has changed everything. And he is coming to find us. And we hear everything changed. We don't always like that. Some, good, uh, some pastor friends of mine started a new podcast called Everything Just Changed. They did it in March of 2020, when everything changed for COVID. Everything just changed was not a positive thing to them. Everything changing is not always good to us. We don't know how to handle it. We don't know what to do with it. But the fact is, Jesus' resurrection does change everything. And so what do we have to do in the face of everything changing? At first, we don't know how it's changing. Susan and Lucy were crying. They thought he was a ghost. The disciples are running around. Mary Magdalene is weeping. Nobody's sure what's going on. What do we need to do? We have to recognize Jesus. What do we do in the face? As a question I asked before I read, what do we do with such a familiar story? We sit in the wonder of it, and we have to recognize Jesus. That was what Mary, that's what Jesus wanted from Mary Magdalene, was to recognize him. She didn't recognize him at first until he said her name. And then... She recognizes him. And when we recognize Jesus for who he is, then everything falls into place. So we sit in wonder at the story of Jesus, at the story of his resurrection, and we recognize him. And then death itself starts to work backwards. Death is working backwards in the world. Death begins to work backwards even in our own lives. So how do we, how do, we do this? How can we work? How can we work on recognizing Jesus? How can we work on being found by Jesus, on realizing how everything has changed? It's peering into this to see 
What are the things that have changed in Jesus' resurrection? Three things here that have changed. First, Jesus finds us. Jesus calls us by name. And Jesus gives us a place with God. Jesus finds us. He calls us by name. He gives us a place with God. As we peer into these more deeply, but not for too long. We peer into these more deeply, we can see the wonder of the resurrection more and more. First, Jesus finds us. As I already said, everybody's running around. Peter ran. John ran. John makes sure to let us know that he ran faster than Peter um, because, because he's John, right? That's just what John does. Like, let's tell the story. And let me make sure you know that I outran Peter there to the tomb. Um, but he does admit Peter was more willing to go in first into the tomb. They're running. They're confused. Mary's looking around. She asks, she asks the angels, where have they gone? I don't know where they've laid him. And then when she sees Jesus and doesn't recognize him, she so says, where is he? That she thinks he's the gardener. She can't find Jesus. We can't find Jesus. But Jesus finds us. Jesus came there to Mary. She, everybody's running around, but they didn't find Jesus by running. They found Jesus when they stood there. And he was standing right behind her. And this is important for us to realize that Jesus finds us. I've got this other book up here. I'm not going to read from it. Uh, it's all right. It's not a terrible book, but it's not a great book either. It's, uh, this is called The Historical Figure of Jesus. I'll say it sounds better than perhaps it is um, because it sounds like, oh, that'd be great, you know, learn about Jesus. But what this, this book, the, the genre of this book, this is part of a whole series of, of books and authors and uh, a whole thing of uh, several hundred years called The Quest for the Historical Jesus. And this is like a thing in biblical scholarship where people try to figure out who the real Jesus was apart from the Jesus of faith that the Bible shows us. So, you know, there's some interesting insights, but I'm not going to read from it. Um, but, but it speaks to something deep within us that we want to go on this quest. We have this quest for the historical Jesus. But I don't remember who said it, but somebody said in commenting on the overall quest for the historical Jesus, that the irony is all these scholars and all they're looking into all these sources and all they're thinking, at the end of the day, it's remarkable how much the historical Jesus that they find looks like the quester himself or herself. In looking for the historical Jesus, for them for, to, to look at all the evidence, they found somebody who looks just like them. Because that is our human nature. When we go looking for Jesus on our, for our, by ourselves, we're going to find a Jesus who looks like us. When we realize that Jesus finds us, we don't have to go looking for him. And so we don't find ourselves. We don't make ourselves God. We let ourselves be found by Jesus. And we can recognize the real Jesus for who he is, knowing that it's not about us. It's about him. And then as he finds us, we see him and we love him. So what does that mean for us? You don't have to figure out all the answers. You can trust the book. You can trust the really good book. You can trust the other good books that play off the really good book and learn from them. See Jesus for yourself. Let yourself be found by Jesus in the way that he revealed himself to us. The great truth, the great message of John overall is that Jesus came down from heaven to earth 
to find us, to show himself to us. So look for him where he showed himself to us, because he has found us. If you're here this morning, Jesus is looking for you. If you're listening to this some other time, Jesus is looking for you. Just turn around and say, Rabbi, teacher, here I am. Recognize him, because Jesus finds us. Once he finds us, what does he do? He calls us by name. What was the difference between when Mary thought that the man behind her was the gardener and when she realized it was Jesus? The difference is in verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. Jesus knows her name. Jesus calls each of us by name. He said this already in John in the picture of Jesus as the good shepherd, which he explained, he said that about himself. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and I call them by name. Jesus knows our names. And that's such an important thing for us. On Tuesday, many, many children, at least here in Virginia Beach, lots of other people will go back to school. Their teachers will welcome them. I went on Thursday morning and served breakfast to the teachers at Kellum High School, thanked them for the work they're doing getting ready for the school year. And one of the first things all those teachers are going to do as their students come into the classroom is they're going to match children with their names because they want to know their children by name. They want to call them by name. What do we all, we want our names to be known. We want to be known by people. We want to know people. It's so significant for us to know that Jesus, God himself, knows each of our names. We are not just numbers in his system, not just people in a spreadsheet, people in a database, not just cogs in the wheel. We are known by name. He calls each one of us by name. As we emphasize time and again rightly that we are not just a bunch of individuals, we are a community of people working together and Jesus interacts with his community. He makes us a body. All that is right and good. And in that community, he calls each one of us by name. Each of us are known to Jesus. He knows everything about us. And it's funny because so often we, we, kinda, we hide things from God. And we're like, I don't want to tell God about that. I don't want to tell anybody else about it either. He knows. He knows everything about us. He knows our names. He knows everything about us. We can be honest with him. And even as he knows everything about us and he knows our names, he still comes to get us. So this morning, no matter how bad you feel about yourself, no matter what you have done, no matter what you have failed to do, Jesus is looking for you. Jesus is calling you by name. Jesus loves you. Jesus has a place for you. He has something he wants you to do because he knows exactly who you are, your personality, your gifts with which he has made you. He calls you by name to make you part of his, his community, part of his flock, and to send you out to do work. See, that's, that's what's going on at the end, sending you out. The third thing I said is that Jesus gives us a place. And this can be a little bit weird. Verse 17, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. Do not cling to me. Like, why not? Like, isn't that what we're supposed to do is to be close to Jesus? Isn't that right that Mary Magdalene was right there close to Jesus? Why is she not to cling to him? Because she has a task. Go to my brothers and say to them. But what, she said, what he says to tell them is fascinating. I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. What is Jesus doing? What is the significance of that language? 
my father and your father, my God and your God. What do you hear when you hear that? You hear sameness. You hear Jesus saying, my God is your God. My father is your father. See, what Jesus has changed in his resurrection is he has changed our place with the father. He has given his own place to us. And he says this, this is not just here, this is not just playing with a few words, because he said this over and over through John. The relationship that he has with the Father is the same relationship that he has given to us. Over and over throughout that long stretch over the summer that we spent uh, in the upper room with Jesus listening to his last words, he said it over and over, that he has given us a place with the Father in the very relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He has brought his people into that. That is amazing. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to the cross that our sins might be forgiven. He took our place. And in taking our place, he gave us his place. That's the exchange. When he died, he took our place in death. When he rose from the dead, he said, come on up. Come on up with me and have a place. My relationship with the Father is your relationship with the Father. So when we pray together, our Father, as Jesus taught us, it means something. It means something very real. Jesus has given that place to us. So what do we do with that place? As we, as we look in wonder at the place that Jesus has given us, what do we do with it? Well, first, if we have a place with the Father, if we have Jesus' place before the Father, we have nothing to fear. So when everything changes, when COVID changes, when other parts of this world change, when everything's going wrong, we have nothing to fear, for our place with the Father is secure. And if we have a secure place with God, the rest we can handle. Why, can we handle? No, we can't handle it. But the rest Jesus can handle, that place that he has given to us. So we have nothing to fear. And when we have nothing to fear, we can go out and do. Mary was not to cling to Jesus because Jesus gave her a task. Go and tell. Go and tell my brothers the disciples. Why? Because they're not in the right place. They went home. <laughs> they need to be told that I am alive and that they have work to do too. So she went out to tell them, we have a new place. We have a new mission. We have things to do with the boldness that Jesus has given us because he calls us by name. And so we have a mission together as the church, as the people of God, to tell the good news, to sing this story to tell the story that Jesus has risen from the dead, that death itself is working backwards, that there is healing in the name of Jesus, that there is life eternal in the name of Jesus, that there is righteousness and justice in the name of Jesus. We have that mission as a church, and then within that, as he calls us by name, we each have our own individual place to find. What skills has he given you to use for his kingdom, to use for his kingdom in your workplace, to use for his kingdom in your family, to use for his kingdom in your neighborhood, to use for his kingdom, for, for his kingdom in your church, what, to use for his kingdom in your school. What skills has he given you to use? How has he made you, called you by name, given you a place with the Father so you have nothing to fear, you have power, you have boldness, you have healing? All the power of Jesus' resurrection he has given to you. He has brought us into the very life of God and sent us out into the world to tell of his love, to tell of his power, 
to spread his kingdom. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you give this to us that we may know and believe. Would you make our hearts to once again love and sing and wonder at your power and your glory and your love for us? Would you show us what it means to walk in that power, to advance your kingdom in your name, to trust in you in all things? Would you show each one of us how you've called us by name and how we can walk in that glory, in that truth? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.